All right, please, if you have a Bible, go ahead and get it out and open up and meet me in the book of 1 John. As you're turning there, I want to introduce this sermon series. We're going to be beginning today a five-week topical series called First Things. Now, I know many of you just heard me say topical series and cringed. Okay, let me reassure you. Our bread and butter, 99.999% of our sermon series are going to be preaching expositionally through whole books of the Bible. Make no mistake. But this is a unique season for our church. God's doing something new. He's reestablishing something beautiful. And in order for us to make sure that we are standing on that firm foundation where there's a few core values that we need to emphasize right now from the get-go as we seek to build upon that firm foundation. And so this will take us all the way up to Palm Sunday and to Easter. So John, first John rather, chapter one, verses one through four. John says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Let's pray once more. Father, this blows my mind that John says that by receiving his testimony, that we have the same fellowship with you that he has. He walked with you on this earth for three years. He stood at the foot of the cross when you died. He saw your resurrection and witnessed you ascending into heaven. And you say that if we receive his testimony, that we too can see and hear and touch and experience Christ. God, I pray that we would have that experience today. God, I pray that we would have that experience, whether for the first time or the thousandth time or whatever, Lord, that today we would experience Jesus the foundation of the church, the one who is from the beginning. We ask that you would teach us now in Jesus' name, amen. Well, sometimes my GPS on my phone malfunctions and it has no idea where I am. Maybe this has happened to you and the directions that it gives you then are completely pointless. And I, after relying on GPS for so long, am completely useless. This is, this is what technology does to us. Thankfully, I've recently relocated to Carpinteria and it's impossible to get lost in Carpinteria. But whether you are driving or navigating life, it's difficult to know where you're going if you have no idea where you are, whether in a car or a boat or in the wilderness, literally or figuratively, it's difficult. And so thankfully, scripture continually reminds us of where to begin all things. 
It's only appropriate that we would begin a series called First Things by talking about that which is from the beginning. In some ways, today is a new beginning. And in other ways, it's a continuation of something that began long ago. In some ways, we have an opportunity today to set a trajectory, to set a course but we're also only just recalibrating our course to ensure that we're aligned with what God has been doing from the start. And so we begin where everything begins. We start with Jesus. We have to start with Jesus. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is that no matter where we find ourselves, no matter where you find yourself, no matter where you are in life, what you're going through or where, what church you're worshiping at, the beautiful thing is that we can always find Jesus because Jesus is the one who finds us. And Jesus gives us the new start. We don't give ourselves a new start. We don't start new things. Jesus starts new things. Rooted and grounded in him. And our passage today is about as true to the Apostle John's style as anything else. There are five books in the New Testament that are accredited to the Apostle John. There's the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then finally, Revelation. And in at least three of those works, he associates Jesus with the beginning. John chapter 1, speaking of Jesus, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Revelation, again, also written by John, records Jesus saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And here John says that Jesus, the word of life, is that which is from the beginning. According to John, it all starts with Jesus. Jesus is the foundation of our lives and the foundation of our church, the chief cornerstone. If Reality Carpinteria is going to accomplish anything to the glory of God, anything at all, it's going to be built on the foundation of Christ. And we're tempted to build our lives on all sorts of things. There's lots of good things in this world that God has made that are worth pursuing. And whatever we choose to build our foundation on is going to have implications in our decision-making. It's going to have implications in the things we involve ourselves in. It's going to have implications in the things that we justify, the things we try to get away with, the things we try to hide. There are so many things, so many temptations to build our lives on all sorts of things. The problem is when, one of, is when one of those good things that's in our lives becomes an ultimate thing that we now build our lives and identities upon, we are setting ourselves up for trouble. Only God is worthy of such a place in our lives. Only he can actually take the weight of not only my experience or your experience, but the, the weight of the world upon Jesus' shoulders. Only God is worthy of such devotion. And this is not only a temptation that individuals have. This is a temptation that churches need to be aware of. 
Churches need to be aware of the temptation to build the church upon the good things that we do for God instead of allowing Jesus to build the church upon what he has done for us. We can never, never make that mistake. In this season then, Reality Carpinteria, we have to be explicit about this foundation or else we risk building the church on my pet project or your pet project or something else that has no power to save. I'm not about that. That's not what I signed up for. We're building the church on Jesus. In fact, Jesus is building the church upon the foundation of himself. We are in a pivotal season as a church. And I'm confident, like look around you. God is doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? He's doing a new thing. And I'm confident in the Lord that we're going to see some incredible things together. From here on out, there's going to be opportunities to worship. There's going to be opportunities to pray and disciple and lead and evangelize and, 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 and serve uh, those in this community. There's going to be ministry efforts and programs and outreaches and trainings. And we're going to learn to read the word, to pray, to sing, to care for the sick and those in need. There's going to be opportunities to build and to get super passionate about the things that we build together. But nothing Absolutely nothing can ever compromise the integrity of the foundation that is Jesus. Only when the foundation of the church is on the one who is from the beginning can we be certain that that thing will last. One of the reasons I love this passage personally is because John can't hide his joy. John can't hide his joy in Christ. Now, I am easily excitable. Okay, I'll just be honest. That's the truth, right? Get me talking about anything I'm passionate about and it doesn't take me long to start preaching. Ask any one of the kind souls who this last week asked me about my Dodger hat and then got an earful of Dodger fandom they never asked for. You know who you are. But what's more annoying to my friends and family is not that I'm easily excitable. It's that there's a new passion every other week, right? Like it just, it just, it changes. It changes all the time. And so one of the reasons this passage is fascinating to me is John is writing this as an old man, okay? This is decades after Jesus ascended into heaven. He's spent his whole life talking about this. Right? And yet John sounds like a kid describing his recent trip to Disneyland. Like Mickey was there. He gave me a high five. He gave me his autograph. Like he is just freaking out. Overwhelmed even after all these years. I was, I was preparing this. I, I was reminded years ago, I had the opportunity to listen to a beautiful, faithful saint in Jesus share an incredible testimony of healing and transformation through intense suffering. She'd been invited to share her testimony around the world over a period of decades. But as I listened to her share, it seemed that she had shared it so many times that her own story had lost its impact on her. Now, I was young, I was immature, 
And I'll be honest with you, I was cynical. It felt forced, it felt contrived, like trying to drum up emotion that wasn't there. But now as I think about that, I think about that story, my, my prayer is that this woman would just experience the power of her story again. That she would experience the power of her own story. I want you church to experience time and time again, the power of Jesus salvation in your life. I want to experience time and time again, the power of my own story. I want Reality Carpinteria to experience time and time again, the power of the story of God in this church. John writes this letter toward the end of his life, decades after Jesus had had raised from the dead and ascended into heaven. He'd spent his entire life sharing his encounter with Jesus and he's completely overwhelmed by it, almost as if he's experiencing it all over again as he talks about it. He keeps reiterating the details of his sensory overload. I saw it. I touched it. I heard it. It manifested itself. And what I got to see and hear, now I get to share with you. We, if we are talking about Jesus at the end of our lives, the way that John is talking about Jesus at the end of his life, we're going to be okay. I pray that we're continually amazed the fact that we have been able, invited to hear Jesus in the gospel. Pray that we're continually overwhelmed at the fact that by faith alone, simply believing in Jesus, we are united to him by the Holy Spirit. And I pray that we never forget the miracles that we have seen, the miracles of salvation, the miracles of starting a church, the miracles that God has done among us. Church, by faith, you, like John, have seen and heard and touched the living Christ. Do you believe that? Because John does. He says that if you receive his testimony, if you receive his testimony, then you are invited into the same fellowship that he has with the father and the son. And he literally walked with Jesus. In the Last Supper, his head was rested upon Jesus' chest. He's the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he says that you can have fellowship with him and the Father and the Son if you just receive the testimony. Are we still in awe of Jesus? My fear is that after a while of following Jesus, we get so accustomed to him And so accustomed to grace that our palate has lost its sensitivity. And if we're not careful to cultivate awe, then like COVID, we will lose our taste for Jesus. So wherever you are in life, wherever you are in your faith, Jesus invites you to return to the starting place. No matter how long you've known him, we can always return to where the life of faith is begins by simply receiving Jesus. We never get beyond our need to receive Jesus. And as a church, we will 
continue to cultivate awe in Christ and pursue delight in him by receiving of him regularly and declaring him to the world. John says, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. See, I confess, I read this and my temptation is to jump right to proclamation, right? Yes, I wanna do what John does. I wanna be like John, but we can't be like John in our proclamation unless we're like John in receiving the gospel first. Now I need to mention something before we go any further, right? We've been talking about John's encounter with Jesus, right? And we've been calling the thing that he encountered Jesus, right? Which is true. But that's not what John says. Read it again. John says that that which is from the beginning is the word of life and that the life has manifested itself to us. Now, you can be thinking, duh, Adam, John calls Jesus the word all over scripture. Nothing's new. It's fine. He's talking about Jesus. Yes, that's true. Okay. But the gospel writers, the the writers of the New Testament are are, are, they're, they're not going to be flippant with titles that they use for Jesus. There is something in this that he wants for us. What is it about the word of life that's so important to John? All right, here's what I think is happening. John is talking about encountering Jesus as he is proclaimed and revealed in the gospel. The good news And this is absolutely crucial for us because the gospel is the good news of Jesus. It's through receiving the good news that we receive Jesus. And so how do you receive the good news? How do you receive John's testimony? By simply believing that it's true. That's it. Now our culture, we have a a news problem. There's too much of it. It's all about ratings and who knows what's even true anymore. But the gospel is news from God. The gospel is news that the king has come. It's news that he rules with grace and love. It's news that even though we have been in rebellion to him, he forgives It's news that he has received the penalty for our rebellion on himself, that he died in our place. And it's news that death could not hold him. He's risen from the grave. And by simply believing that it's true, scripture says that we're given the Holy Spirit and we are united to Jesus. And in our union with him, everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to you. The reason that we have life is because Jesus has life. The reason we're called righteous is because Jesus is righteous. The reason that we are adopted as sons and daughters of God is because we have been united to the only begotten son of God. All of the blessings that we have in Christ, we don't come to Jesus and then look for all of the things. We come to Jesus, we get Jesus and we get what's his. We get him and all that belongs to him. We receive it all by faith. Now, potentially there are some of you who are here today who have never believed in the gospel or received Jesus. Maybe you're here today because you heard about what's going on in the church and you wanted to come check it out. Maybe a friend dragged you here because they love you and they want you to know Jesus. 
Maybe you're here and you've called yourself a Christian for a long time, but because, simply because you agree that the stories of the Bible are true. But maybe there's a roadblock in your life of faith because you've never actually received grace. You've made this intellectual assent, agreeing that something is true, but you've never entrusted yourself to the maker of heaven and earth. Maybe you do know what it's like to receive the grace of God in the presence of Jesus, but it's been a while now and God feels distant. For many of us, that's the case. For many of us, that's it. We know what it's like to receive Jesus and we just just don't feel it. We're having difficulty experiencing it. No matter who you are, John invites you to receive Jesus. And if Reality Carpentry is going to be a healthy and effective church for God's glory in the coastlands and the nations, it's not going to be because we're full of the most eloquent evangelists, right? It's not going to be because we have the most eloquent preachers or the best ideas or the most resources, or it's certainly not going to be because we're super duper holy. That's not how it's going to happen. If Reality Carpenteria is going to be a faithful and effective church for God's glory, it's, because, it's going to be because we are desperate for Jesus. We're desperate to see him do a work. We want to see him do a work. We become less so that he, be, he can become more. That's how it's going to happen. It's going to, it's going to be because our greatest desire is to experience Christ in his beauty, moment by moment, day in and day out. It's it's going to be because we actually believe and experience Jesus as the most beautiful thing, the most glorious thing in all of the universe. And this is John's invitation to simply receive the good news of the gospel and receive fellowship with Jesus. Maybe you've been told that Christianity was something different than this. I apologize. Maybe you've been told that Christianity is a list of rules to follow or examples that we can never measure up to. But listen to John. He says, something happened. This is what faith in Jesus is all about. Something happened. The one that was from the beginning has manifested himself, made himself known. And all we have to do is believe that it's true. But then we're not only invited to receive, we are blessed, church, to be a blessing. We receive so that we can pour out. We are compelled to share this news with others. Because what we receive is the good news, right? Because John says it's the word of life that, we have, that we've received. Then we can now share the word of life with others. We've received Jesus and so we can proclaim Jesus. It is as natural as inhaling and exhaling. We have an experience, we share it with others. We see something beautiful, we praise it. We receive Christ, we proclaim him to the world. We breathe in, we breathe out. Church, make no mistake. The world does not need reality carpenteria. Carpinteria, the coastlands, the nations do not need reality. 
This is not the thing. Jesus is the thing. The world needs Jesus. And he has invited us to actually share him with others. And when they believe, miracles happen. He invites us into that work. We receive the gospel. We proclaim the gospel. It's not enough for John to just have an experience, but in sharing him, he says that his joy is made complete, literally filled to the full. This is why I think John never got desensitized to the gospel. It's not because his experience with Jesus was unique, which it was, but that's not why. It's because he knows that Jesus is unique. And when we have a true grasp on who he is and what he's done, and when we share him with others, we are constantly reminded, like looking through an old photo album and seeing pictures of yourself and your kids from years ago that make you feel all kinds of things. When we receive and proclaim Jesus, when we remember what he has done, and we believe that it's true and share him with others, we just continue to experience this cycle of the fullness of joy that we were made for, that we can only have in him. But this is much easier said than done. And church, the truth is that many of us will leave this place not receiving Because receiving is difficult. In order to receive, you have to acknowledge that you lack something. You have to acknowledge that you are insufficient. We don't like looking that in the face. We don't like acknowledging that we're broken. We think we should be sufficient. We think we should be able to put ourselves back together. We want others to think that we have it all together. The only way to build our lives on the foundation of Jesus is to stop pretending that we can actually be our own foundation. Some of us treat the Bible like self-help culture, right? Where maybe you acknowledge that you need help. You acknowledge that there is something in you that is not sufficient, But all you need is some information. All you need is a story from the Bible. All you need is some direction. And then you can put it down and now you got this. And maybe it'll work for a while. Right? But eventually, you're going to run out of steam. Or maybe, even worse, maybe it works for a long time. But there's going to come a day when you can no longer help yourself. I pray that in that day, you'll remember that God is your help. You were made to build your life on Jesus and anything else is disastrous. And so today we have an opportunity. We've been graciously invited to open our hands, to let go of the things that we've been holding on to and for God to be the one to place in our hands what he wants for us, the identity that he has made for us, sons and daughters of God. And maybe you leave this place and receiving is not the problem, but proclaiming is. Maybe that's the part of the cycle that's broken in your life with God. Maybe we're not receiving as well as we think we are. Because imagine, think of the other things in your life that you experience and can't wait to share. I want to continually remind you, we never get beyond 
receiving from Jesus. Sometimes we have difficulty sharing because we don't want to be rejected. But I would remind you, it's not you they're rejecting. It's Jesus. He was the one that was rejected. Some of us are afraid to share because, gosh, you know what? There's a lot in the Bible and I really don't want to get anything wrong. Right? I have a hard time sharing because I don't know if what I'm sharing is, is precisely accurate exactly. And so we don't say anything. I want to share a story from the life of the Apostle John. When they walked with Jesus, they tried to walk through the land of Samaria. And the Samaritans wouldn't let them. And John and his brother James asked Jesus, Do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy the city? Talk about getting the heart of Jesus wrong. But God redeemed them. He grew them. He wrote some of the New Testament. It's a beautiful thing. When your life is built on Jesus, then even your mistakes are an opportunity to show others the glory of God in Christ. Church, it's all about Jesus. The word of life, the one who is from the beginning. So let's make certain as a people, as individuals, and as a church, that he's in his proper place. That he is the beginning and the end, the foundation, the chief cornerstone. And as individuals and as a church, let's commit to continually receiving and proclaiming nothing but Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, we cannot even begin to wrap our minds around who you are and what you've done. Like John, all we can say is, God, we see you. You're real. We know you. We've heard you. We can experience you. You've invited us into this, Lord. God, we don't deserve this. Your grace is so good. Lord, I pray that you would work these truths deep into our hearts. That we would stop trying to build our lives and we would let you make us what you have already intended to make us. That we are your workmanship. God, we try to build our lives into all sorts of things. But even now, I'm just reminded of what Michelangelo said. I look at the marble and I see the angel. All I need to do is remove the material that should not be there. God, you look at us and you see your sons and daughters. And by receiving Jesus, we just ask that you would remove the things that ought not be here. Make us like you. Help us to reflect your beauty in the coastlands. We love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.